Welcome to another podcast for Kansas Policy Institute. I'm Paul Sutar, your host. Today we uh, we kind of crowded the table today. We have uh, three folks uh, who are joining me here today. Uh, James Franco, uh, Vice President and Policy Director for Kansas Policy Institute. Um, hello, James. Hey, Paul. We have uh, Seth Etter, uh, who is the organizer for Open Wichita at openwichita.com. Hello, Seth. How's it going? Good. And Bob Weeks, uh, blogger at uh, Wichita's Voice, Voice for, I'm sorry, Voice for Liberty in Wichita at wichitaliberty.org, uh, who is uh, also a transparency advocate, as is uh, Seth Etter. And that's what our topic's going to be today. We're going to talk about uh, transparency. So since, uh, since you're kind of the, uh, the host entity here, James, um, tell, me what, uh, tell me a little bit about transparency as you see it. I mean, from Kansas Policy Institute's perspective, a lot of our transparency work is in taking government data that may exist, even publicly in some cases, in one database or another and kind of putting it all in one spot, kansasopengov.org. I mean, this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before, but it's trying to just increase the opportunity for citizens to be able to get information without having to go really look for it too terribly hard. Uh, we think that that will ultimately lead to better governance, to better civic engagement, which is something that all of us do want, I think, at the end of the day, is for an engaged citizenry that can can help uh, influence the policy process from whatever direction, rather than uh, than have all of the data in a, a hard place to find or where we can't solve problems or anything like that. Sure, sure. And it's always nice to have, you know, new people engaged in that process, right? I mean, Bob's been at this longer than I have here in Wichita, and then reading about Seth, what was that, six or seven weeks ago in the mm-hmm. in the Eagle, I mean, it's just really good to have more folks involved with trying to get data out, so to speak, to the public, and then actually, especially in Seth's case, use some of that data to really try to solve some really interesting problems. Right. Now, Seth, you're, uh, as I mentioned, you're the organizer for Open Wichita, which mm-hmm. is part of a uh, national uh, effort called Code for America. Right. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and, and what you guys are doing here. And you also had, as uh, James mentioned, you had an event, uh, was it June 6th, I believe? Yes. Yeah, so June 6th was the National Day of Civic Hacking. Um, an, another national group called Hack for Change started that. Um, so that's it's supposed to be the day of the year that civic hacking groups within cities all around the country get together and try to make some progress on, uh, on, on issues. So the idea of civic hacking, which just to clarify that hacking doesn't always necessarily mean illegal. Hacking. <laughs> yeah, so you're not, you're not Edward Snowden no, or no, no. <laughs> anonymous or anything like Nothing that. Nothing along those lines. Um, the idea of hacking, while it is used in the illegal sense as well, um, is just coming up with a creative solution for a problem. You know, it's looking at a non-obvious way to approach an issue and come up with something that can, you know, solve that. Um, a lot of times it gets used in the sense of using technology to solve those problems. So the idea behind Code for America is that, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, a lot of government technology is very antiquated and, um, you know, there's a lot of improvements that could be made there. Um, but Governments a lot of times are strapped for resources, may not be able to hire developers to be able to actually make these improvements, even though it would make such a huge impact. 
So the idea behind Code for America is to get developers within a city and other citizens involved in just kind of taking on the projects themselves. Now, for that to happen, a lot of times, uh, you know, data has to be made available. So depending on what the project is, there might need to be some kind of data that has to be provided by local government, county, state, whatever, um, that would enable that project to actually go through to completion. So the sounds, old like a, sounds like a great goal because there's so much data in uh, state and local government, for example, uh, that's some of it is, is literally stuffed away in a file cabinet. Some of right. it's on antiquated electronic systems that have no connections to the outside world. Right. And so far, that's that's been my experience that um, the bigger barrier of getting access to some of the data that we've requested so far is not... Um, well, there's tons of red tape you need to go through before we can let you have at it. It's, it's in this system that's really old and it's all in PDFs. So if we want to, you know, use that data in some kind of automated system that's able to process it without any human interaction, um, you know, we're talking a lot of work to get it normalized and exposed publicly and things like that. And that's where the government has been, you know, held back is they don't have the resources or the people to be able to put at that kind of a task. Um, but luckily, we've had a couple developers that wanted to devote to that specifically to actually work with local government to getting uh, to work on getting that data exposed, which is nice. Yeah. So now, Bob, what uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your perspective on uh, transparency and uh, open government? Well, I've been an advocate of this for quite some time, and I think I can probably speak more about failures to achieve data rather than successes, although I have had some success. But what James and Seth talked about is exactly right. There are a lot of cumbersome IT systems and websites that, um, that um, make it difficult for the average person to get a hold of data. And so the things that Kansas Policy Institute has done with Kansas Open Gov and the things I know that Seth groups are starting to do are very good. But there's also these problems, and it's the problem of attitude, I think, more than anything. You will find every governmental agency says, we want to be open, we want to be transparent. But then when it comes time to actually disclose data, either they have the cumbersome systems that we talked about, or they simply do not want to disclose uh, the information. And the Kansas Open Records Act has uh, dozens of exclusions that uh, governmental agencies can tap into if they don't want to disclose information. And then even if they if there's no reason why they're prohibited, they just don't want to do it. And there's really no way for the average person to get these open records laws enforced. If you're the Wichita Eagle and have a lot of money, then you can do that. But for an average person like myself, there's very little way forward to try to get enforcement. And I yeah. wonder, you know, if some of that is almost generational, right? Uh, not that there's not always going to be a tension between, you know, kind of government and citizens and you know we could talk more about that probably in a different podcast but it's just for folks like Seth who are young developer types and I'm a bit of a dinosaur even for my generation right when it comes to to data and having only had a smartphone for about a year I put it off as long as I could and whatnot is it's just people of Seth's generation my generation are more used to just having access to data and yeah, why wouldn't you give that to us? You know, we want to be able to search all the emails we've ever sent in our Gmail account or what's on Facebook or all this other kind of stuff. Whereas the folks who are in government, if we, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, they're just, you know, why do you want it? Well, it's just, 
it's just a different expectation and I and I think it'll be interesting to see how those things play out one with like just legacy IT systems and how do we navigate those kind of things but then you know as millennials and younger folks start taking a more active role in in government and in activism and whatnot what that means for just the expectation of this attitude that we that there's no reason we shouldn't be more transparent that we shouldn't have more yeah. data out and available for folks to use for kind of whatever reason. That's kind and of some of it right? is just basic computer literacy. For example, right now in Wichita Transit, what to do about the future of our transit system is a big issue. And in a dialogue on the Kansas.com Wichita Eagle comment, someone said, well, I wish we had more information about the finances of the bus. And here's what someone posted. Every month there are detailed, detailed financial reports about all sorts of data. But here's the key thing. It's unfortunate transit does not have an assistant slash web person to post monthly minutes and the financial and director's reports. Now to anyone who's had a little bit of training and even not training to take whatever documents you have and post them on a website somewhere should be a trivial task that takes about 90 seconds to do. And the fact that we have city government with high paid bureaucrats that are not doing these types of things, I think it's a shame. That's well, an think, evidence of attitude, I think. I think if there is enough you know, request for something like that, that it would happen. Yeah, I think I mean, that's really the key. I, I really believe that because in, in my experience when I worked for uh, uh, Kansas Watchdog and did a lot of open records requests, I fairly often ran into people who were completely unfamiliar with the process. Right. Ran into bureaucrats, people who were supposed to be open, open records um, savvy and, and they weren't. I mean, one example would, uh, when I was reporting on the uh, capital improvement project, uh, the, the Kansas Capitol building, uh, I found out that one that in, in the six or seven years that had been uh, in the news, supposedly, no one had ever made an open record request for any of their information. And then I found out that all of their information was on PDFs that weren't online, including the contract for this thing. So it's a, that's a, a huge problem. And I'm, I, as a, as a citizen and reporter, I'm really grateful that there are more people who are making those requests. I know government sometimes sees that as a nuisance, um, but I think there's a level of reminding government that um, they represent us. Well, and as we as we move forward with, you know, I know uh, local government is working on, the city is working on replacing a lot of their old systems with new systems that would make this kind of stuff just a lot easier on them. So again, it goes back to some of this stuff requires um, would require a lot of work to where it's just made publicly available. You know, a lot of the information is collected automatically, but as far as making it available in a digestible format automatically is another step that the current systems don't really make that easy. The other problem is that, um, you know, we, you can't expect just any average person to go through the process of making an open records request. It's a process. It takes time. It takes effort. You got to know where to go and who to talk to. And as we improve the systems that local government is using, or just government in general, and this data is made available automatically, you know, assuming that we keep moving in that direction, um, then the next step is groups like Open Wichita um, and developers taking that data and presenting it in a, in a format that the average person can actually make some sense of. Just because you make an open records request, now you've got a stack of PDFs. Now what do you do with it? That's even more work to go through it and derive some meaning from it. So, you know, that's that's what we we really want to do is just because we've got gigantic amounts of raw data, now what do we do with that? You know, that's where 
that's where our group kind of comes in and says, okay, so what kind of apps can we build off this that would provide some useful information? So going to the transit example, um, that's our that's the Open Wichita project so far that's the, moved the furthest along. Is it right now? I don't think this is a final name, but they're calling it Bus ICT, and it's a web app that you can visit on a mobile phone or a desktop browser. It'll show a map in real time of all the bus routes where all the stops are at, and a real time feed of where each bus is at any given time. So that coupled with um, you know some rider data of how much how many people are getting picked up at which stops and where are they getting off at things like that um, you know we hope to be able to use that data to report back to the transit system so that they can optimize their routes and you know hopefully make their process a little more efficient. And what's interesting about things like that is when you make that data available to a lot of people someone's going to look at that and have some stroke of insight that no one else has seen right. and this person is probably not going to be a transit authority like the bureaucrats that work in City Hall and I can tell you that the city does not like that type of stuff. I mean, if you go to a lot of city bureaucrats and say, look, here's your data, and I've analyzed it this way and so forth, they either, many times they will not believe it or they just don't want to, uh, you know, it's not invented here type of syndrome. But sometimes small things do happen. For example, Sedgwick County Commission meetings, the way the video is displayed on the website, very cumbersome to use. You had to go through plugins on your browser. It wasn't usable on a mobile device or anything like that. So I kind of brought it to their attention and pretty soon there was a Sedgwick County YouTube channel and the broadcasts of the meetings are uploaded to that. And YouTube is something that's free, it's ubiquitous, it's viewable on almost any sort of device at all. So that was a good thing that Sedgwick County did, but contrast that with Wichita Public Schools, USD 259. Their meetings are available only if you have Cox Cable TV, and they're shown once, I think, or twice a week or something like that. Why couldn't they put their video on YouTube as well so that everybody could see it and have an archive? And the answer is, I just don't think they want to do it. And I think that's sort of the common thread uh, among uh, all of us here is the, the concept that this is our government, the data should be available to us, and all three of you are doing, I think, things that are very important for this. I mean, Kansas Policy is putting their work together to create uh, Kansas Open Gov and to find that data and to provide some analysis of it. Um, the um, Code for America effort and especially um, this new effort here in, in Wichita with Open Wichita, um, I like the aspect that that's sort of hand in hand with saying, okay, so where's, where's your uh, bottlenecks? How can we open that up? How can we make that data accessible? And then putting it out there, and, and Bob, this is something you've been uh, uh, really good at for a long time, um, putting it out there for sort of that policy analysis for people like you, were, you both were talking about with the bus system. Mm -hmm. Is it really operating efficiently? Are we wasting money on a route and cutting it, cutting people off somewhere else who really need that service, uh, so that you get that careful look at it? Uh, that's a that's an important aspect of it too, is to have not just the data available, but to have it analyzed by people who can really understand it and bring some insight to it. Right. All right. And so far, I I feel like I've been lucky enough to to have incredible cooperation from local and even county government. I I had the CIO for the city reach out to me. I've had the CIO for uh, Sedgwick County reach out to me and basically just want to sit down, have lunch, and say we want to be familiar with what you're doing and we want to help however we can. 
So they've literally opened themselves up and said, whatever we can do to assist what you're doing, let us know. Because to them, I mean, it, it, it's almost free work. You know, we're doing things that the citizens are expecting the government to provide, but the government's strapped for resources. So they've got this this community engaged group that says, you know, we we want to build things. We want to do some stuff that will actually benefit the community and you don't have to pay us. You know, we have to be careful to not let them drive the projects too much. You know, we want to work on what we want to work on. But, you know, these are things that improve the city. And at the end of the day, that's what their job is, t too. So, you know. In the Code for America, is there a kind of a, an example that is, you know, to where an open Dallas or whatever city mm -hmm. group is really pointed to as saying, look, this was a success that we had where we worked well with the government? Uh, yeah, there's there's been a lot, actually. Um, there's a group in Houston called Open Houston, and actually the, the guy that organized that, um, Jeff Reichman, is kind of who inspired me to finally take the plunge with Open Wichita. Um, they had their hackathon a few weeks before we had ours on June 6th, and they had over 400 people show up. So they had teams come there with projects specific to, you know, they had their projects in mind ahead of time. They worked on them there. Um, it was a huge contest as far as which projects got adopted and funded and moved forward. So, you know, they would apply for grants and grant money would go to pay developers to actually finish the projects to completion. So, I mean, in a lot of other major cities, you see this happening and it's pretty awesome. Very cool. Well, where do you think it's going to go from here? What what do you see, Seth, as uh, as you know the next six months or, or a year or whatever? What what are average citizens of the Wichita Sedgwick County area going to see? Well, I I really just want to get some projects launched, you know, and uh, just because we build some things doesn't mean they get used. So hopefully we you know launch some projects and then can promote them enough and get them out there so that people actually start benefiting from them. And you know, there's a there's a countless number of things that we could do uh, as far as projects go but that was my real big focus on June 6 was I wanted people to come out who were citizens of Wichita to say this is a legitimate problem in the in the city right now this is something that we should try to solve so um, we've heard quite a few different things so I'm hoping we can keep focusing on those and and uh, ultimately we just want to make an impact and you know actually make some kind of improvement Aside from the transit, what were some of the other projects that came out of the hackathon that were at least, you know, had people nodding in agreement even if you didn't move forward? So voter turnout was definitely a big one. That's the one I'm kind of personally invested in. That's the one I'm applying my development skills towards. Um, we've got a, f a few different ideas in that one. It's kind of a broad, you know, um, goal there. And so we're kind of figuring out what kind of things can we do to actually improve voter turnout. And we've got some cool ideas that uh, I'm going to, explore some more tomorrow evening at our hack night. Um, another one was uh, Wichita Water Challenge. So our water usage has been a hot topic lately. And so uh, someone had the idea of let's create a, this app or website that gamifies water usage. So we get real time water usage data for residences in a neighborhood and you can compete within neighborhoods or against other people in your neighborhood to try and have the lowest water usage for a month and some kind of way to incentivize that. So that kind of makes, you know, it makes a game out of it, makes it fun. Um, I mean, I think it'll be interesting because I mean on the, so I mean, you're talking transit, we're talking water, right? These right. are two of the central planks of the, the sales tax debate, which was very much a, right. a political question uh, last fall, right? 
and then Bob and I were at a meeting earlier this week and someone was discussing how, you know, the city manager has come out and said, you know, this forced us to kind of think through these things a little bit differently and maybe there are different ways to skin this cat, so to speak. Um, so hopefully, I mean, be it, you know, open Wichita or Bob's efforts or ours or anybody else's. I mean, that's really the point, right, is that we can try to solve some of these problems in different ways that aren't necessarily adversarial, but so that we have a good bus system that works, that delivers people where they need to, so that we can have a water system that works for the next 50 years, not, you know, um, saying, oh, we just need more money to solve it. Let's figure out different ways to try to, you know, it's a, I mean, it's almost a cliche at this point, but to have a sustainable water system in the city so that you know, we're not faced with the same situations that they are in different parts of the world where water's a real serious problem. And, right. you know, these are things you can think through over time. Well, and I think it's it's uh, it's awesome that um, the three of you represent um, different perspectives, but the common ground, the common ground that you all share, the idea of um, accessing data, making the data available to the public, having more eyes on the data, and connecting citizens with how that data is used to interpret policy, I think that's a win-win for everybody. I'm a big believer that facts and data uh, really should drive a lot of what's going on, and much more than it does so today. So, Absolutely. That's one of the big uh, things that we're kind of addressing with voter turnout is, especially with the younger generation, you know, they're, we're, we're impatient, you know, we don't... Um, you know, people aren't going to go out and vote on an issue if they know nothing about it, if they don't know for sure which way they should vote. So, you know, the information's out there, but it's drowned out through tons and tons of different sources. So just being able to take that information and put it into a digestible format so that any average person can actually be informed is is a really big thing that I'd like to put my efforts towards. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Great. Well, it's been great having all three of you here to talk about this important issue. Um, again, I want to go just about, go through all three of you quickly and, and just have you say your organization's name and the website that people can go to to get more information about it. So it's James Franco at the Kansas Policy Institute, and our transparency portal is kansasopengov.org. Cool. And I'm Seth Etter with Open Wichita, and our website is openwichita.com. And Bob Weeks with the Voice for Liberty. That's at wichitaliberty.org. Great. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be back again with another podcast in the near future. Thank Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everybody else.